think having discernment is really important as well. I'm not gonna automatically go up to you if I find out you went through it. I'm, you're not a charity. Like it's a personal thing. I mean, I don't wanna invade your space. Before we get into today's episode, I did wanna just let everyone know that in season two, I was really intentional about starting each podcast at April, being the Sexual Assault Awareness Month and ending each season in October, which is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, because I'm a survivor of both. So in this episode, we actually do interview Jade Miller, and she'll talk a little more about herself at the beginning of the episode. But I do want to let everyone know that you should at least take a full listen of the episode, even if you're not able to watch it on Spotify, and listen more about her story as well as I talk about my story as well, and how you can help her foundation. I hope you enjoyed season two of the podcast and season three will be back in April. So make sure you subscribe if you haven't or share the podcast with anyone that may enjoy. And just a quick warning, um, this may trigger some people's memories back to when they've been in a domestic violence relationship. So if you do have to take a pause or take a break from this particular podcast episode, I do encourage you to do so. Um, and take care of your mental health. And now we'll get right into the episode. Um, I am a, currently I'm a student right now at San Houston State. I'm a boy mom of two little boys. Um, I'm currently in the hospitality um, bottle service industry too. I work for James Harden. Um, I do have my uh, Fight for Your Life Foundation, which is a nonprofit organization aimed for domestic violence survivors. Um, between the ages of 20, 18 and 27. I chose that age because I was 18 when it happened to me. So and in the industry that I'm in, I see that that's usually, for me, the cutoff date where most women are like able to talk about it and I'm still pretty much going through it without, I mean, being able to still like get to them. Yep. I'm actually a paralegal for Sunnyside Legal Clinic and I am going to school to be an attorney um, to be a prosecutor actually to put the right bad guys in jail so yeah that's exciting <laughs> life is lifing over here <laughs> that is actually really exciting i was gonna say um you said you service 18 to 27 mm-hmm. but your story starts at 18 mm-hmm. so because you were in a i will say domestic violence relationship mm-hmm. if that's the right assumption but when after that relationship did you decide to say i want to help people um, it actually happened, I'm, we're not just going to really age on that, <laughs> but, um, I think I was, um, 26 or 27. Um, it was after a conversation that I had with my best friend who actually had went through the same thing mm-hmm. and I didn't know until way after and like she finally like broke down and told me and I had kind of like put it in the air before like I want to do something like it has to do with it because I was coming across so many women that have dealt with it and like I was starting to share my story more and I was like wow like well there's some there's a connection like God is like trying to tell me you need to do this you need to do this and then like my confirmation was like my best friend telling me and then I mean pretty much like when the pandemic happened I was like on it like I was like I really want to do this um i I'm self-taught, like everything that I found out about starting a nonprofit, mm-hmm. I did it all by myself, did my own research, um, created my own bylaws, like it's a very, very long process, but it's very rewarding when you start to see that like you can make those connections and that my ultimate goal every single time I do anything that has to do with the foundation is I just hope to reach one person. Yep. 
every single time. One person is enough for me. And it has been multiple women. And I've sat in rooms with women who have been broken and me speaking to them or speaking about my, um, you know, past with domestic violence really has opened a door for them. And that's just the most thing, like, that's what I'm most grateful for. So I know you have a foundation, but you're also a survivor. So how do you manage your mental health while helping other women kind of go through their start of their healing process? So like I said, I think one of the craziest things, like I am in the, in the um, hospitality industry and the nightlife and everybody knows Houston nightlife is super huge, right? So um, pretty much everybody knows the same people and people really don't know who I am until they go to my Instagram. They're like, oh my God, I saw your Instagram. And <laughs> my Instagram does not match who you see that brought you the shot. Yeah. You know, <laughs> 24 hours ago. But um, my Instagram, I think, gets off um, a coming to spirit kind of. Mm -hmm. So I'll have girls like, I'm out in the club, you know, with some regulars or something and she'll, they'll come up to me and be like, hey, I really want to get to talk to you. So I'm just like, okay yeah like it's just a great stepping stone opportunity to be able to like just reach women so i kind of put my mental health on the back burner just for a second because i know what it's like to feel like you don't have anybody to go to mm -hmm. um i got in this because i wanted to help people so i can't turn away anybody is there boundaries absolutely um but i have not reached those boundaries yet so when I do come across them, I think I'm pretty sure I'll be like no or yes. But I'm always, I'm pretty much a yes man when it comes to the foundation. Like I'm not gonna say no. Mm -hmm. Um, I might it may not be right now, but we're gonna make a way. Um, even if that person's not ready, because it's not my mental health that I have to watch out for. It's the the um survivors as well. So I think that it's just a happy balance. I just kind of just go in and just like let's do it. So what was the hardest thing about starting your foundation? Because I know for me, right, when I went through my domestic violence relationship, the hardest part was people actually believing that it happened. Right? Yeah. Like they saw my partner and saw what he showed to external folks, mm -hmm. but didn't see what was behind closed doors. And so when my friends actually saw me get thrown across the dorm corridor into a wall. And then actually they did. Right? So what was the hardest part about, one, like starting... The foundation but also to um just being yourself and starting the foundation and getting people to trust you to kind of open up on their story um the hardest part is honestly the paperwork okay. <laughs> <laughs> um it's really it's like once you get past the paperwork all it really is is just putting yourself out there being able to have that conversation um and people i don't know what it is people always ask me like you're not just a waitress you don't you don't just do this. What else do you do? And so that's when the conversation comes up. And it happens so often. And I'm just like, what? Is it on my forehead? Like, I don't... And so being able to talk about it, um, which people think was the hardest part, it's not. It's actually the easiest part. I think another hard part is details. Mm -hmm. um, because they do look at you and they're like, dang, like you went through that. And you don't know if they're judging you or if they're empathizing with you or if they understand or they went through the same thing and just aren't ready to tell you yet. Yeah. Um, I've had girls that I know have gone through it that I work with and I find out they went through it and they don't tell me until they're ready to tell me. And I think having discernment is really important as well. Um, that's a hard thing to have. Everybody doesn't have it. So I'm not going to automatically go up to you if I find out you went through it. I'm, you're not a charity. Like it's a personal thing. I mean, I don't want to invade your space.
much. You have to make sure you're tax exempt. You have to make sure all your ducks are in a row. You have to make sure you actually pay the taxes. Um, for anybody to ever give you anything, um, you have to have the, the right paperwork. And if you don't, then you're kind of just going to be at the bottom the whole time. That's not my goal. I really, like, really, really want to help at least, before I leave this earth, if I can just help a thousand women. Like, really, really help them and, like, them carry on that legacy would be great. That sounds wonderful. I also love how you said the person coming to you is not charity. So you're not going to, I guess, quote unquote, do the Mormon thing and knock on the door yeah, and no. give out flyers. You're no. waiting for them to get to a point of being able to share their story, come to you for help, and then providing them the necessary help. No, definitely. I always, like, I've lately, you know, just with me being in school and everything, I've been like, oh my gosh, like, I haven't really had time to um, do anything for the foundation, but all the opportunities that I need for the foundation, for instance, I'm still showing you too. Mm -hmm. So, no, I'm not writing 100 grants, you know, a year trying to get funding because I don't really, it's not about the money for me. It's about me being able to help somebody. Um, if it takes money to help somebody, then I will figure out that at that moment. But right now, my biggest thing is getting the person out of the situation. We can worry about money later. Because if you're still in it, what's money going to do for us? Yeah. Like, you can take the money and still go back. Mm -hmm. I need you to get out of it, be mentally okay, be physically okay, um, be emotionally okay, and then we can move forward. Um, with me, my situation was I was more financially dependent. Mm -hmm. Um on my significant other as well as very isolated from my family so I know how hard it is luckily for me like I know a lot of women who go through it for five years 50 years um my stint was a little bit over a year mm -hmm. um and not like every single day type deal but like very often and I'm glad even being at a young age I was able to flip that switch and be like no this is not it um, and I think that's the switch I want to flip for everybody else. And some people, I think, get it confused. Like, um, I, don't, I don't want to confuse it with arrogance. It's not arrogance. It's really just like, I know you can do it. I know you can get out of this hole. I know that if I can do it, you can do it. Yeah. And I think highly of myself, and I want to pour that same energy to somebody. So, I mean, yeah. It's like being able to see... If the way I put it is being able to see someone go through the same situation as you, you see yourself at that point. Yes. You see yourself now. Yes. And you want them to be at where you are, are at now. Yes, absolutely. So you're trying to get them to realize they're going to be a different person. And you know, it's crazy. Happens. I didn't have anybody that was like, you need to leave him. They weren't telling me. I wasn't running, hiding in anybody's houses. I was still going home. I was still... And I mean, I'm 18, like I'm fresh out of high school, just really just trying to figure my life out. And I get sold a dream and I go and it's not what I thought it was. And I come back home and end up living back with my parents. Like, you know, like it's, people would not believe like the things that I went through. They're just like, wow, like you didn't even have anywhere to stay. Like I was literally like living from house to house just cause like I was so terrified to come home. I was like at parties, I was getting drugged out of parties. like. I could be on the street, he'll find where I am and like, come get me. Um, he like threw my phone out the window one time. I wasn't able to talk to anybody, like lost it. My mom like, like lived in Houston, I was in San Antonio at the time, but um, it was just, 
it was a wild time. And I look back, when you're in it, you're like, oh, he loves me. Yeah. And that's that's the thing now. Like people want to be in toxic relationships. Toxic is cool. Toxic toxic is not bad for a lot of people right now. Toxic Which is, is scary. It's so scary <laughs> Which because is so scary. you see the memes where the girls are like, if he don't slap me inside of, I don't know, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, if he doesn't do something crazy, like. I'm like, why would you want that? Like, that's yeah. not okay. Like, I've been there. Like, I've been dragged up a party. I've been stopped in front of everybody. I've been saying, oh, no, you're going home with me. Like, that is control. That is not love. Like, and it's it sucks because so many young girls don't understand, like, the difference between what love is and what infatuation and just toxicity, like, pure toxicity is. But yeah. it's okay. Yeah. So. It is actually kind of scary to see those memes around, like, Oh, well, if he doesn't do this to me, he doesn't love me. And I keep thinking, like, oh, mm-hmm. no, you don't want that mm-hmm. at all. You don't That's want that. That's what you want. You want banging on yeah. all your friend's door at 3 o'clock in the morning asking if you're in there. That's or actually quite terrifying. Somebody constantly gaslighting you, like, every single time. Like, yeah. If you want that, just go into the corporate world. So just, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you, they don't understand. Just if you want gaslighting as part of your life, <laughs> just work. In the corporate world, that's what it you will want. happen every single time. Every single time you win it. That's like being in a distant relationship too. It's all the same. <laughs> it will happen quite a bit. Um, what is, I want to say, when someone comes to you as, hey, I want to get out of my relationship. I want to get out of my domestic violence relationship. Kind of what is the process you go with that? Do you only service women, right? Um, yes, right now I've only, I've only okay. been taking care of women. But... Um, I mean, the first process is, like, definitely getting the person to trust me. So, I, we have a conversation. We talk regularly. Um, I disclose more just so that you know, like, I have gone through it. I definitely understand where you're coming from. Um, and then I just take it from there. So, I can read if a person is actually ready to go or if they're just kind of, like, just testing the waters. Mm-hmm. Um, with younger women, they tend to still go back um, more naturally than others just because... It's like, oh, I have time to figure it out. Or we have time for him to change. Yeah. Um, so in the beginning, I just fill it out, have that conversation. Um, I'm, I think my biggest thing is I wait for them to reach back out to me. I say what I have to say the first time. Mm-hmm. And if you're constantly like, hey, Jay, like, takes me like two times. I'm checking on you, of course, making sure like you're in a good situation, seeing like where you are, seeing if y'all live together, seeing if you're able to get away from them. Um, Luckily, I am in the legal field, so there are legal actions that I do have some girls take. Like, I told um, one girl she's to take a, a protective order. They yeah. didn't live together, so there's a protective order in place, a restraining order in place. He's not supposed to go, you know, towards her. So, in the long run, if anything happens, she's protected. Ultimately, I want the girls to be protected. Um, I want them to be okay. I'm not going to tell you to leave today if you're telling me he pulled a gun on me the day before. Because the next day, tell him that you're about to leave, he might shoot you. So that's, it's like really something that you have to think about deeply and understand. Like, you have to put your feelings aside, even though this is what you would do. Yeah. This is not what Courtney would do. You know, this is not what she needs. Yep. Um, so that's pretty much the process. And after that, we just move forward. I, I am connected with other um, nonprofits as well um, that can help with housing. Um, I'm connected with a career advisor that can help fix resumes. Um, I am a student myself, so I do help get women into school. Like, they need to do FAFSA. Like I said, a lot of the things I've done, I've done from scratch. Um, trial and error, and 
we made it. We're still here. We're still going. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the process. Okay. Okay. I was just going to ask to, with, you did say you put your mental health on the back burner earlier, but how do you kind of like regroup yourself? I know you're a student right now mm -hmm. and you're working and you're also doing the foundation, but what do you do to take care of Jade? at the end of the day. And obviously your mom <laughs> is on top of that, right? right. So you've got a lot of things You know, somebody on. asked me this the other day and they're just like, how do you do it all? And I think I was like, I just like, I'm just, I just do it a day at a time. Every single day I wake up, I'm just like, I, I know I gotta do this, I'm gonna do it. And there's some days I don't do it. There's some days where you know you have that long list of things you have to do and mm -hmm. you just don't do it. That's my self-care. Like, my self-care is catching up on my TV shows. It is getting my nails done even though I hate going to the nail shop but it's still like <laughs> time away um it's going to the gym I love to work out I like have a love I think everybody has a love relationship with it but like you know I just like the grind um I think that's just what it is for me I'm pretty much obsessed with the grind like I just know that I'm meant to do great things so I really don't try to think about so much focusing on myself because it's always gonna, I'm an Aries it's always gonna center back to me no matter what. um just naturally, um, I definitely, I go shopping. Zara takes all my money. <laughs> um, and I mean, I drink. You know, I definitely, I enjoy drinking. And I spend time with my family and my friends. Mm -hmm. My family and my friends are my backbone. They're my core. Um, I've been friends with a lot of them for, I've been to Houston for 12 years. Probably like 10, 10. I think my close, my my last friend, like close friend, I consider family, is actually my best friend, and we've been friends for like five years. But like that is my go-to. Like I call them, I'm with them for holidays. I, they know the real me. They know when I'm BS. They know when I'm drunk, Jay. They know when I'm about her business, Jay. They know mommy, Jay. They know all parts of me, and they still love me unconditionally. So even including them in my life is self-love for me because I need people that love me unconditionally. And I think that's one of the biggest things for me, um, that everybody deserves love unconditionally, including myself. And that's how I'm able to love myself. That's beautiful. Thank you. <laughs> I would even ask too, since you have your foundation, and I know you only help women, how do you, while raising your boys, teach them the importance of how to love when they get to that age, right? Um, whether they love a woman or a man, whoever they fall in love with, but what can they look at for signs if they do come across someone that may potentially be an abuser? Um, that's a good question. I personally, with my sons, I am, I mean, I am in a relationship right now and um, we are in a habitual relationship, so we live together. Um, we do everything together. And my sons are still to the point where, like, they don't want their mom to be with anybody else. <laughs> but I think that my spouse shows love very well. And I think that I show love very well. And I think that we're, we're like the fun couple. I think I would like to consider myself the cool mom. <laughs> but um, it used to be hard for me to, like, show love, like, in their, like, kind of awkward stage where they're just annoying all the time. They're kind of still on the stage. But... <laughs> I will like randomly like go in there like kiss them. Um, I don't really condone like weapons or anything. So like they'll have a couple of weapons, but it's not something that like, I just love for them to have. They are very aware of everything that I do. 
Mm-hmm. Very, very aware. They like my oldest son. He's nine. He knows my whole schedule. Like he knows when I have class. He knows when um, dinner is. Like everything is on a schedule. And even though like our life is chaotic and everything, and I kind of throw like whirlpools in there, I'm just really blessed to have the unicorns of the sons that I have because I just feel like I preach to them. Even their dad like lets them know like, hey, like you need to treat women with respect. Yeah. Um. Although they don't listen to me, I think ultimately at the end of the day, like, they are protective, and I am protective of them. Um, of course, I do your typical yelling as a mom and things <laughs> like that, but I honestly don't even whoop my kids. I'm like, I try to keep violence out of our household as much as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, even between, you know, like, how you, like, play around with your spouse. Like, even with us, like, we'll play around, but, like, the boys, like, if they hear anything, you're just like, what's going on, you yeah. know? Um so I think it's just normal where I just let them know, like, you treat them with respect, you court them, you buy them flowers, you pay for dinner, you do things around the house, um, you stay clean. Like, just, I don't want to really want to focus on that so much right now, just because I know that I'm not raising them in that environment. Yeah. And I've tried my best and succeeded to not raise them in that kind of environment. Um, if, even with me and my dad, when it came toxic, I just realized, like, I don't want my kids to see this, you know? I don't want them to think that I don't love daddy and I don't want them to think that daddy doesn't love mommy because then they're going to feel like we don't love them. So I definitely pulled them from that. And even then, like, I think my um, ex understood that and he just let me be and he still lets me be. And um, he appreciates that. And even he was, I honestly thank God for him because he was the person that I was actually able to go to when I got out of my um, situation. So kudos to the boys dad (laughs) (laughs) well that's that's actually really wonderful right because we don't talk about families that are blended families Mm -hmm. and that your ex is still in the same line with you right raising the children Mm -hmm. you respect women you respect your mom we respect each other that's how love is supposed to look like Mm -hmm. and then with your current partner it's the same way right um and then the boys are very heightened and aware but they still are like well we love everything kind of going on and we're we kind of understand even though they it sounds like they're not at the age of understanding right what really is domestic violence but they understand what respect sounds right and looks like Mm -hmm. um and i think that's beautiful because i feel like people don't talk about that like with their boys my husband's the only boy in his siblings (laughs) um but all of his cousins before him were girls Right, so he kind of grew up with the view of you respect all women because he had all aunts, all girl cousins. Mm -hmm. He was the first boy, no real choice in it. Right, (laughs) absolutely not one. So, but to him, right, that's normal. And to me, I was like, you're a unicorn of a man, right? Because most men don't (laughs) grow up thinking that. Like people teach it, but. When they're not interacting with women all the time, it's not, like, inherent. Like, he grew up knowing, like, I'm supposed to pull out the chair. I'm mm-hmm. supposed to open the door. Right. I'm supposed to do all these and things And, like, with me, I mean, we're having two boys and then a whole nother man. It's just, I mean, we have my bonus daughter, too, but we don't get her as often. So, it's just, I'm the only girl in there. So, I'm the only feminine energy in the house. Yeah. Everybody's so macho in the house. <laughs> and it's like, but I'm not going to open the door. I like, I don't, when the boys get old enough, like, I'm not going to change my oil. I'm not going to wash my own car. I'm not going to do any of that because I'm going to teach y'all, y'all should be doing that for somebody, for a woman.
Yeah. Um, but a woman that appreciates it. I don't want y'all just be out here willy nilly <laughs> washing every girl's car. Yeah. You know. Um, and I'm not saying like I want to be first and everything like that because a mommy's gonna have her own life. But I want you to know like this is how a woman is supposed to be treated. This is how a woman is supposed to treat a man. Yeah. Um, you're not like my mom, bro. You're not gonna like the cut. Yeah. You know. For sure. That's so beautiful. Like I want. I want boys for a reason. <laughs> I think because I can't handle myself. Okay. Um, Let's bring that. Because I am a handful. Like I, everybody tells my boyfriend, like, bro, I don't know how you do it. I'm a lot. I'm a lot. Like I, I don't know if I can handle me all over again in this world. <laughs> no. But I did want to get back to you being a student in law school. So I know you said you're going to law school. How do you want to kind of incorporate? what you're doing in law school back to your foundation and then when you become a lawyer how do you want to kind of merge those two um definitely for sure provide representation um with family violence um cases for mm -hmm. sure there is a big pile of them um some of them don't get the attention that they deserve um a lot of women make deals even though like they might be innocent um there might be cases where women we're acting in self-defense and still get um, reprimanded for it. And those are not the kind of cases we need. Those are not the kind of women that need re rehabilitation in the prison system. Those are the kind of women that need therapy. Yeah. Those are the kind of women that need to be away from their abuser. And those are the kind of women that need to be not a witness protection, but like protected just in general. Um, there are situations where there are kids removed from a home with the mother that has an abusive spouse. Or a woman might be on drugs just because she's trying to self-medicate from being in an situation. There's so many different avenues like dealing with domestic violence and I just hope to tap into all of them because there's a lot of them. Um, so I just try to think like for myself, what if I were to look at myself from this age back then, what would I need, you know, legal advice for? And Honestly, full disclosure, I was getting into a lot of trouble when I was in my relationship because I was so angry. Yeah. I didn't know where to put my anger. I was angry at everybody but him. So I got into a lot of trouble. I used to fight a lot. Um, and I got, I went to jail in high school about twice, two times for fighting. And my best friend, actually, he called me like maybe a week before, I think was the last time. And my spouse would always bail me out. So that's another thing. I was just like... Oh, if it wasn't for him, I would still be, you know, in jail. But um, he actually told me, like, this is not you. Like, what's going on? And I finally told him, I'm just like, bro, like, I'm not happy. Like, I have all this, like, messed up shit going on. Oh, man, I look so shit. I have all this stuff going on. And he's just like, you're better than that. Like, just, you're, you're fine. Like, just get away from it. And he never even ever supported the relationship ever again. Mm -hmm. He actually passed away when I went to jail the last time for fighting while I was mm -hmm. in there. So I feel like that was like one of my signs. And I always carry that with me. Um, also that conversation. But it's just, you just have to keep going. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have to keep trying to figure out the, the sauce. And I don't even have the answer to all the sauce. I don't have the answer to... I don't have the, I might not have had the answer to what you went through, but I can help. Yeah. I can try to help and we just kind of get through it and keep going. So I think that, um, that's really what it is. What do you dream your foundation to look like on the next few years? 
Planet B. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> so this huge dream. I'm like obsessed with Michelle Obama. She's like the epitome. The epitome. Yes. <laughs> and even though I know I'm not anything like her because she's so reserved and so graceful. Um, if I can get recognized by her and like have her so into the foundation, actually just to have the foundation just recognized in general, mm -hmm. um, as a universal foundation, as an international foundation, you know, you see the red cross and things like that and you really don't know where the money goes to, but no clue, no clue, <laughs> but I want to build like communities for women who are like trying to get out the situation who, I mean, I feel like I give, Hey, I'm going to give you this least for a year and i'm gonna give you all these resources and you have it's like a not a probationary period but basically like a rehab process because you have to heal yeah there's no way that i'm i feel like i can successfully help somebody who's not healed so this is me healing this is you like going to therapy because i know these are the things that you need um getting out of that situation you're just not going to get out of a domestic violence relationship and just be okay Never met anybody that's just okay. Me personally, even for me, I thought it was okay, but I remember like after I got out the relationship, I was literally out every single day. I was drinking every single day. like seven days a week. I was out drunk, and I came home. My grandmother was like, "No, ma'am. Like I don't know what's going on." Cause then my nobody even knew what I went through. Only yeah. A couple people because they saw it but um my mom didn't know nobody knew my dad didn't know my sisters nobody so she didn't know what was going on she just thought that i was just being loose in the streets and like i'm just like no like i'm just trying to numb myself from feeling crappy you know yeah. what i mean and the older that i got i realized that's what i was doing i really thought i was just being 19 having a good time but it wasn't that it was baby girl you were you were trying to hiding how you really felt um you were trying to be okay with how you were being treated and you really weren't but um i just i want to speak in front of like millions of people millions of women i want to hold conferences i want to go on more podcasts i want to just be more vocal i want to be more seen i want the foundation to be more seen mm -hmm. i want the cause to be more seen i want domestic violence to be more seen i want it to be reduced i want more men to be um recommended for it i want women to live because so many women don't yeah because it's too late um i don't want women to always have to say that they survived you know yeah i want them to say i never had to go through that before because i saw the signs because I went to an event, you know, for the yeah. Free Life Foundation, um, because I was mentored by Jade. Because, you know, I've worked with her, and like she, what she does is like real, and situations are real. Um, but yeah, I don't like I said, it's not really about the money. Honestly, that's my biggest dream is I just want to speak to the masses. Like I just want to pour into people through my words and like my spirit, and that's it. That's that's actually really nice. It's something I really want to do with From Pain to Peace, but um, not just domestic violence survivors, but survivors of any type of trauma, right? Um, because I'm a survivor of domestic violence, but also sexual assault. Mm -hmm. So I was sexually assaulted twice in my life. Um, once at 15, when at 17, and then I was in a domestic violence relationship from 17 to 19. Mm -hmm. So I kind of went through trauma for quite a few right. <laughs> years of my life, but I did the same thing. And that's why I always make cocktails is because 
I can control my alcohol intake mm-hmm. and at a point I couldn't. Yeah. Um, but that's the reason I love making cocktails, but I also love a very good yeah. strong cocktail at the same time. Right. right. But yeah, and I I get that. It's I love that about your foundation of wanting to help just one woman. Like if I could reach one woman and help her and help her get out and help her survive, right? And not be back in that relationship. I absolutely love that because I I still remember I can like vividly remember my relationship mm-hmm. on any given day, mm-hmm. which is scary and that's right. to me, but it is a reminder that I'm no longer in that and mm-hmm. I'm in a marriage with a man that loves me. Yeah. Like, loves good, bad and ugly. And I mm-hmm. tell people that all the time. Someone should love you for good, bad, ugly, all your secrets in the closet through and through. Yeah. Right? Not what you get to see on the first five dates. Right, right, <laughs> right. That's what I'm saying. Like, God bless my spouse because <laughs> there's good, bad, ugly, there's crazy, there's, yeah. um, you know, like, I'm a firecracker, so people are just like, they don't understand. Like, we're like oil and water. He's like super chill, super laid back. And then I'm like dancing on top of the bar, like, <laughs> and he's just standing there with his drink, just like, that's my girl. Like, you know, like I wouldn't expect anything less, you know? Um, he definitely allows me to be me and coming from, you know, the relationship where I was not allowed to be me, where like I was a social butterfly and then I was always cheating or, you know, I was always doing something wrong. Um, it's a breath of fresh air where it's like, it's healthy. Um, uncomfortable conversations with my spouse now don't end the same way that they used to mm-hmm. i couldn't even get like two words out like if i had a disagreement or something he would go crazy and it was like going through phones it was um it was cheating and like like the gaslighting was crazy he had like what two kids over together and made me seem like made it seem like i was the one that was wrong um he was just it was a crazy situation. Yeah. And then now it's been so many times where like he still tried to have access to me. And I'm like, no, like when I go home, like I don't even not because I'm afraid to see him, but because like You're out of that space. I'm out of that space. So like we shouldn't even exist in the same spaces anymore. Yeah. I exist in different spaces than you. I can be in the same city as you and you're still not here. You know what I mean? Um I did the same thing. I but I had cut him off mm. completely. Like, I found out how to block on Gmail. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that took a lot of Googling yeah. about Gmail how to block. It's already hard to do stuff on Gmail, <laughs> let alone block somebody. And, yeah, I did the same thing. I was like, we don't exist in the same space anymore. Like, right. I've let you go that we should live on different two earths. Like, mm-hmm. there should be a separate earth for you and me and we no longer it was crazy because um, this time I was still healing, I found out that he had got shot, actually. And, you know, honestly, I was just like, oh, he died. He should be dead. He deserves to die. And um, he didn't. <laughs> but <laughs> um, I knew that's when I realized, like, nobody that was healed would have said something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I look back and I remember what I said, I'm just like, how would I feel if he was gone now? It would still be crazy to me because, like, I still 
haven't been able to like fully heal any left you know what I mean so for you to still be here but really not be here and for me still going in life and still be doing these amazing things and you watching from the outside watching me flourish when you told me I wasn't gonna be anything when you said I can't do anything without you when you said nobody was ever gonna love me like how you love me um when you sat there and almost tried to take my life you know like I'm living and I hope that you hate it because I didn't deserve it and I would still hear stories like even to this day where um he still abuses the mother of his children and it was the same women that would try to you know make me feel smaller and now I'm I'm just wishing hey like why don't why don't we talk about this so like I can help you out situation so you can realize how messed up he is you yeah. know um and I wish I could have protected him. I wish instead of being an enemy of them, I would have been a friend. Yeah. I would have actually had a conversation with them and been like, well, it's not us. It has to be him. And everybody could have been good. And so I think partially, like, I, that kind of, like, messes with me because I know they're still in that situation. And I hate yeah. that. But at the same time, if I was so busy saving them, would I have saved myself? Yeah. I don't know. But I'm here. So I guess the answer is that I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I had the same situation where the guy that was abusing me, and it was a lot of mental abuse before it was physical abuse, mm -hmm. kept doing the whole, you're cheating. And then he came back with a whole new girlfriend. <laughs> Funny story is I ended up kicking her in the face with Timberland boots because I had heard oh they were God. driving my car around oh the campus, God. so all my friends were calling me because I only... It was the only one that had like the school color blue car. Right. So everyone knew what my car was, knew whose car it was. He was driving it with her in it. They went on a date. I went and put my Timberland boots on. Oh my God. <laughs> I just sat there. It gets like that. <laughs> it ended up bad and good, right? It ends up bad to the point where like I was thrown around like a rag doll, but good into the point of my dorm director at the time. Mm -hmm saved me from being kicked out of school and the police officer at that time saved me from not being arrested because she literally sat there and was like I'm not gonna arrest you I'm not gonna arrest him but you no longer need to be with him yeah and it was kind of like surreal like what do you mean you, you yeah. don't know who I am and yeah. she was like he don't give two shits about you mm -hmm. you are no longer gonna be with him after tonight and I'm going to be on campus next week to make sure y'all ain't holding him. You know, it's crazy. So when I had, we went to this, he convinced me to go to the same college as him. And so it was a situation where like the cops were involved and I had like ran like to campus. And then um, after that, I came back home. It was in the semester anyway. Definitely felt my class last semester, if you're wondering. But <laughs> um, I came home, then I registered to go back to school, and I tried to stay on campus again. I thought everything was good for my dorm room and everything. And they were like, you can't stay on campus because the situation happened last semester. And I'm just like, he's not even here. And, like, I was like, oh, my God, like, I can't even go back to school right now because he ruined everything. You know what I mean? And I remember being, after the situation happened, I remember being in the interview room, and, like, the cop was, like, trying to ask me, like, hey, you know, are you okay? What's going on? And I'm like, everything is fine. Like, it's my fault. Like, it's my fault. Like, I, you know, it's my fault. And so with me saying it's my fault, that's all they had to go on. They didn't know anything else was happening. So he definitely um, pushed back my 
my college career a lot. I was able to still finish school and everything, but it's just like, look how deep this goes. Yeah, you're on, you're on campus. Like your mommy and your dad's not there, so like you have to answer all these questions. You have to figure out, you know, where you're gonna go, where you're gonna stay, and it's just like even after I knew the situation, it was still affecting me. Yeah, um, I think in my situation, I got lucky. Yeah, like I didn't realize people that would protect me protected me mm -hmm. and moved me out of that situation. I always <laughs> credit my friends that I met. <laughs> <laughs> like after that uh -huh. I said you met me at my ugly the fact that you're my friend now when you were right. my wedding is shit crazy <laughs> <laughs> like the fact that you're still my fucking friend <laughs> right right really it's and I'm like, like I'm yeah. not friends with anybody that I went to college with that that college with because um I don't think they just really understand. it was just so crazy because he would like wait for me outside my classrooms like, he knew my schedule. He didn't let me, like, go into, like, the student area. Mm -hmm. I remember I was playing, I think, pool one time with somebody. And he was just like, hey, what happened to her? And I'm like, oh, okay. You know, I didn't have a car. He had the car. So when he wanted to leave, we left. When he wanted to go eat, we went to go eat. Um, he wanted to go do something, we went to go do something. But, like, I was literally, like, a puppet. I did everything. But this is me thinking... I'm playing house. This is me thinking I'm gonna be. This is the man I'm gonna marry, right? Yeah. That's the dream. So I'm thinking this is the man I'm gonna have a career with, and we're gonna like do these great things. And we did absolutely none of that. And it was just really just him, just having some control over something he didn't have any like control over. And I fell for it, basically. But I got out of it, so that's all that really matters. Yeah, yeah. That is all that really matters. I always think of. I got out of it and I'm alive because mm -hmm. I could have been dead, right? Mm -hmm. Like my abuser would always tell me that he dreamed killing me, mm -hmm. and I just thought, okay, yeah. Like in that moment, it was like that sounds weird, but okay. Like, are you really? <laughs> like, when you, you look outside, right you're now. like, no, that's fucking serious. It's crazy. A lot of people that I went to school with that like saw like the abuse and everything, like the craziness. It's like now they're like they're like you came so far and I'm just like I did come so far like it was a really 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 long time ago but it doesn't feel that way yeah it was 13 years ago it feels like ago. it was seconds ago yeah like yeah. 13 years I'm just like do y'all still think I'm this person that I was 13 years ago because even then I don't even think that I knew who I was but yeah. people could see who I was um and it just feels good to just be like I'm doing all the things that and more you know um, there's like something that I said. I'm just like, how does it feel to watch me from the other side? You know what I mean? Like, I wish I had more drink to cheers because I totally forgot to drink. We could take a shot. Drink, but yeah, we could take <laughs> a shot. <laughs> the liquor is here. <laughs> we can cheers to ourselves. Yes. For being new Jade and new Courtney. New Jade and new Courtney.
I do want to ask you, what is one thing you want people to know about your foundation? Like set the stage of like what they should know about your foundation and two, what is one thing someone could help you with, right? Like if they went to donate or provide those services, how could they do that? Um, one thing I definitely want people to know about my foundation is that it's genuine and that it's real and um, that I've, as much as other people want their foundations to be about like raising money, which is really, really important, my ultimate goal is to not raise a whole bunch of money. Um, so if you want to donate, cool, but I would rather you provide like services at mm -hmm. like discounted prices or provide um, education for women, provide clothes, provide items because that's what it is. It's women that, that need things. I don't need money. I need these women to figure out how to get through life when they were doing who knows what before I met them. Um, I want them to be able to be successful. I want them to be able to get to, from their abusers. That's, that's what I want. Um, I would like to connect with people who can help me with like housing for women that could connect me with um, clothes, that connect me with education sources, um, career resources, um, that can help provide for children like daycares and for the women to have jobs and like things like that. That's, that's really just what I want because I feel like when I was going through it, I didn't feel like I had those sources. I didn't feel like I was able to go buy my own car because I was driving around in his car for so long. I didn't I didn't know what a credit score was. I didn't know what a down payment was. I didn't know any of that. Cause he did everything. Like he bought the groceries, I cooked the dinner. That's that's really what it was. Um so I want women to know that it doesn't take a man to put a roof over you. Like you don't need this. You need yourself. Mm -hmm and you need to be alive and survive to keep going forward to be able to still like share the story with so many other women i need to hear um and it's ultimately like if i just touch one person like that's it that's all i want to do just have a conversation if i can just have a conversation i promise i would change the world that's all it takes yep. just hear me out i may not look like what you think i am but once i open my mouth it's you're you're gonna be drawn in. You're gonna want to know, and that's what that's what's gonna take. I think to to really reach the people that I want to reach. Okay, what what's the website for the foundation again? www.f4ylfoundation.com. Okay, okay. Thank you, Jade, so much for joining us on the podcast, and we hope to have you back soon. I'll be here.